Hey, thanks for tuning in into the City Life Church podcast. We are a church in San Francisco and we exist so that people that are far from God will encounter His presence and experience the life that only Christ offers. We pray that this word will challenge you and encourage you in your walk of faith with Jesus. So those of you watching online from Pastor Chelsea tuning in and Teresa, Christine, and Jamie, and everybody else tuning in, lean in because I'm about to share part four of our uh, series called Circles. And uh, before I jump into my word and before Roberto starts my my preaching clock, um, Pastor Isaac reminded me that we need to really, really, really encourage everybody to capitalize on a brand new season of life groups that are kicking off next Sunday. So we like to say like this at our church, rows of seats are good. You came to church on Sunday or you tuned in online, these rows of seats are good. Circles are even better. When you can do life in small groups, that's even better. But when you have rows and circles, that's the best. When you can have the collective gathering together over the weekend plus small groups, that's how we really, really grow. And our passion here is to reach people and to grow people. Our commitment as a church family to you is we want to see you grow. It doesn't matter if you've been walking with Jesus for 10 years or 10 days. We are committed to helping you grow. And one of the best ways for you to grow in the things of God is doing life in community. So signups for our life groups have actually already opened up today. Officially, we launch next Sunday. But you can actually go on our website or our church app already. And you can start registry. And this season, it's kind of like an open market season. It's not a specific Bible study. We're going to have a variety of different groups. So, for instance, one group. We haven't even launched the groups yet, and they've already got like nine people signed up. I think it's the fitness group, and there's a a, a hiking group, and there's Bible studies and freedom groups and a variety of different themes. I don't know if we have like a cooking group, but if there's one, I'm not joining. Um, (laughs) But uh, we want to encourage you. Check out our website. There's different ways where you can tune in and join, and it's going to be a great season together. Pastor Isaac, is that good? Okay, uh, Roberto's going to start my clock now. All right. Let's go into part number four of our preaching series. And um, last couple weeks, Pastor uh, Elena and Pastor David preached some great words. Last week, Pastor David talked about prophesy again. We've been talking about this theme of drawing circles. Like, what does that mean? Some people, your head is spinning and you're going in circles. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about praying the will of God. And it starts first by discerning. What is God speaking to me? What is he declaring over my life, my home, my family, my business, my social life? What is God speaking? What are the dreams that he has for us? What are the promises he has for us? And then we partner with God by drawing these circles. It's a metaphor, so to speak. But we pray circles around God's dreams, his promises, his miracles for us until they materialize. We don't manipulate God. We don't twist his arm. We simply respond to what he has already dreamt for us. Are you with me so far? And last week, again, Pastor David was talking about prophesying again. Those things that God has declared over you, speak to those mountains. Be moved. Speak into your your, your environment, the the will of God. Call down heaven here to earth. Some of us were going through a season where we're being challenged and stretched. Some of you would even say, like, man, I'm going through hell right now. Well, then flip the script. Call heaven to your reality. Don't live in hell. Speak and prophesy heaven into your reality. Amen. I want to quick, quickly shout out all of my Brazilian friends that are with us. Bom dia. Deus abençoe vocês. Que a graça do Senhor esteja com vocês. Tamo junto. All right. Amen. And to the Latinos, Dios te bendiga. Buenos dias. No es buenas tardes, buenos dias. But God bless you. Um, again, Angie and Lami, different ones tuning in. Thank you for, for joining with us. If you want our notes, the notes that we preach from every week, all you got to do is text CLC notes, one word together to the number 97,000, and then everything will pop on your device. Or if you're watching online, just click on the notes link and you can flow with me. Hey, let's go together to Joshua chapter 6. That's our primary text for today. Joshua chapter 6, and let me set the backdrop just in case you're kind of new to this journey of faith and maybe you're not familiar with this story. God had a special people called the Israelites, and they were held in captivity in uh, Egypt for many, many years. But God would raise up a man by the name of Moses who would lead the people out of Egypt. My family this last week, they watched this movie called The Prince of Egypt. And and one of my sons said, what is that movie about? I'm like, bro, are you kidding me? (laughs) It's the Bible. And uh, so God would lead the people of Israel out of Egypt through the wilderness. And um, and that's a whole other sermon series right there. But he had a promised land for them. He didn't want to call them out of captivity to leave them in a desert. He wanted to bring them into a land that was filled with milk and honey and prosperity. 
And yet through the course of the journey, they disqualify themselves because of their heart condition. How many of you know that God can actually call us out of situations, but it's still up to us to respond with the correct heart attitude? You can be thankful that God pulled you out of something, but still have the wrong attitude, and therefore you can't draw circles of, uh, around the, the promised land that he has for you because your heart's not in check yet. So we got to bring our hearts into alignment with the will of God. Finally, there would be a, a man by the name of Joshua that God would raise up and say, you will lead the next generation into the promised land. This new generation, they had no, no battle skills, unlike the Niners. Come on, somebody. These guys had no war skills. They would go into the promised land, and right before them, there was this huge city called Jericho. It was this fortified city. They, they, it's like Lambeau Field, so to speak, of the promised land. It's like the odds were highly against the Israelites. But God would give Joshua instructions. And here we have, the Bible doesn't specify, but scholars would say probably a few million Israelites who have crossed over into the promised land, the land that God has dedicated to them. But it's up to them to drive away all these other opposing uh, forces and, 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 and adver uh, adversaries. In English, por favor. Um, so here, that's the backdrop. So all of a sudden, God speaks to Joshua, and he gives him this bodacious strategy. All right, listen, you're going to grab all of your warriors with swords in their hands, and then you're going to grab the worship team, and they're going to have trumpets in their, in their hands. And then you're going to grab all the people, and, and what you're going to do is you're going you're to march around this huge city with these ginormous walls. And you're going you're to not say a word, but you're going to go walk around it once for the first six days. And then on the seventh day, bruh, pack your backpacks. Bring everything with you. You're going to march around uh, seven times. And then when you hear the trumpet uh, sound, you're going to shout, and the walls are going to come tumbling down. That sounds like a ridiculous strategy. If you're going to go to war, you're going to go worship? You're going to do a prayer walk? That's what you're going to go do? But how many of you know that God's ways are higher than our ways? And uh, so that's the backdrop to this passage. So we'll just kind of grab a couple of verses, and I'm just going to share those with you, and then we're going to unpack, and we're going to talk about the theme of partnering with God in prayer. So Joshua chapter 6, it says, On the seventh day, the Israelites, they got up at dawn, and they marched around the town as they had done before. But this time, someone say this time. But this time, they went around the town seven times. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, Shout! For the Lord has given you the town. When the people heard the sound of the worship team, come on somebody, when they heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly, and by the way, they shouted as loud as they could. They just like, hey, golf clap shout. They shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly, someone say suddenly. I believe some of you in this room and those watching online, you're going to experience a suddenly moment of God this week. You've been drawing circles, you've been praying, and there is a suddenly moment coming to you. When you research and do a little study on the word suddenly in Scripture, think of Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas in that dungeon. Suddenly, an earthquake came. Or Acts chapter 2, suddenly the room was filled. There's these suddenly moments of God as you pray and as you contend, as you draw spiritual circles around what God has declared, that business deal will happen. That contract will come. That phone call, that text message, that email will come. Something suddenly will happen because you've postured yourself, you've aligned yourself with the will of God, and you've been obedient. Suddenly the walls of Jericho, they collapsed, and the Israelites, they charged straight into the town, and they captured it. Again, untrained warriors. They hadn't fought another uh, 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 opposition before, but here they are. They obeyed the instructions of the Lord. The people of God, they heard the instructions they understood their assignment. Hello, TikTok. They heard the instructions. They obeyed even when it may have seemed crazy or random or illogical to them. And God fulfilled his promise. From my experience, very seldom does God's ways make a lot of sense to me. When God gave, gave us instructions to come and plant in San Francisco, though we're part of ARC, and this is, you just saw our 1,000th ARC church plant this is a wonderful organization that we, we help contribute and send finances to. In our case, we were trained by ARC, but God says, don't take the money. They were going to sell finance. We're like, God, we're going into the most expensive city in, in the U.S., and you want us to not have this financial support? And God says, just trust my word. I will, I will supply all your need. If it's my vision, it's my provision. If it's my will, it's going to be my, my bill. Talking to Pastor Keys, the lady and I were like, man, I'm not sure, I'm not sure how God's going to do this, but God's going to do it, and he did, and he continues. 
By the way, just bragging on you as a church family, Pastor Isaac sent me a report this week. From what I, what I saw from your report, Pastor Isaac, for these first six months of this year, we've already given over 200000 to missions and church plan. Is that right? Come on, somebody. A church of San Francisco. That is awesome. That is awesome. There's a lot of churches, their annual income is that amount, and we've been able to sow that already out into other church plants and missions. That's phenomenal. To God be the glory. But God's ways are different than our ways. Rarely does, does his ways make sense to us, right? So two important lessons that I have learned from this passage. There's many other lessons, but two that jump out to me today would be this. Obedience to God's instruction actually matters. <laughs> when God gives us instructions, unlike the Ikea little instructions that we get, when God gives us instructions, they actually matter. we got to follow it to a T. If we all of a sudden shortcut it or sidestep a few steps, it won't, it won't materialize. Listen to me. You can pray all you want, but if you're walking in disobedience, God won't answer your prayers. I'm going to preach it to the other side of the room. You feel me? You can pray in tongues, and you can be passionate, and you can fast for 21 days. But if you're still walking in disobedience and not following what God has instructed you to do, God won't answer your stinking prayers. Is that okay to say it like that? <laughs> so again, God's instructions, they're there for a reason. When God speaks to you and he reveals instructions to you, be sure to follow his instructions. Don't skip any of the steps. And as you come into alignment with the will of God and you're submitted and surrendered to his will, follow the recipe and you'll see the outcome that God has purpose for you. Come on, somebody. I've tried a little baking around my house these, these recent weeks. And I tried a few a variety of different little things. And Pastor Keys, you'd be proud of my, my corn muffins, bro, like, like cornbread muffins, cracking. And uh, I, I added a few little seasonings here and there. I act. I didn't tell my family or my kids that I, I, I actually added some cayenne pepper to my cornbread muffins. And then I just kind of slid it in there, baked it, like, mmm, the house smelled good, and we're eating different things. Kids start thinking, hmm, it's pretty good, Dad, a little different. I'm going to lemonade somewhere. It's like added a few little ingredients. Listen, um, when it comes to the purposes of God, if you leave out the ingredients that he's instructed you to use, you won't see the outcome that you're thinking you're going to get. It has everything to do with heart alignment. Instructions, God instructions actually matter. And then I say that because one of the, the recipes that I tried, I didn't even share with my wife. I forgot a few ingredients. It looked good. I took a bite. Oh, heck nah. Dump it all in the garbage. This is no bueno. Follow the recipe. Second lesson that I learned was this. Obedience is on us, but the outcome is on God. The outcome is on God. Oftentimes we want to produce the outcome and asking God to obey us. <laughs> Think about that. God, I declare and I prophesy, you're going to do that. <laughs> We're telling God what he's going to do. You feel me? Like, no, that's not the way it works. We obey and the outcome is up to him. Pastor Jason Laird from Sozo, he's the one that shared that with me first and love Pastor Jason. Seven things, I'm going to tell you, seven things that God can't do. Now, it's, it sounds maybe a little contradictory because Jesus, in Luke chapter 18, he said it like this. The things that are impossible with people, they are possible with God. There are things that are impossible with us. When I was younger, I believe I can fly. I actually tried jumping off the top of my house in Brazil, second floor, with a little umbrella, like Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins had an umbrella. She could float. I thought I could float with this big old beach umbrella. And I jumped. Thank God there was grass. Because boy couldn't fly at all. And I didn't float. I sunk straight down. Didn't break any limbs. Pastor Maida knew the house. She saw the house. Jumped from the top. Boom. I couldn't fly. There are things that are impossible with man. But with God, nothing is impossible. Speaking of abilities and, and intellect, nothing. God, God has no limitations, no boundaries. But when it comes to certain moral things, there are things that God can't do. Let me share seven quick ones with you real quick. Number one, God cannot lie. It's inconsistent. The Bible says he's not a liar. He cannot lie. It would go against the very nature of God. He's truth. He is all truth. There's no partial truth in God. There's no shifts or shadows in God. Therefore, he's not deceptive. He can't lie. Number two, God can't change. But, but don't you understand, PJJ, culture has changed. We are more open-minded to a variety of different things. God doesn't change. His word does not change. Come on, somebody. And therefore, you can put your confidence in God because if he spoke it, he's going to follow through on it. If he was a vacillating God, a God that changed, then who could you trust? The God from yesterday or the God from right now? Which God would you trust if he's always changing? He is not like COVID, mutating. Come on, somebody. He is the same. He doesn't mutate. All the nurses in the house said amen, right? 
God cannot change. Number three, God cannot fail. It's impossible for him to fail. There is no celestial Olympics where God is fighting for the gold medal. Come on, somebody. He is the undefeated, undisputed champion of all eternity. There is no way for God to fail. He doesn't come in second ever. Come on, somebody. Number four, God cannot overlook sin. It's impossible. He doesn't stand up for a sin. He loves us despite our sin, but he can't tolerate sin. He can't coexist with sin. He can't just like, well, yeah, your mom dropped you on your head when you were little. Like, all right, I see your, be your behavior ways. Like, nah, that's why he sent Jesus, to bring transformative change in your life. He understood that we were all jacked up. He can't stand sin. That's why he sent Jesus. Number five, God cannot break a promise. If he promised that he's going to fulfill his promise. Now, there are some promises that are contingent on our obedience. Francis and Chronicles, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, and it says, then I will. So some promises that God declares over us, they're contingent on our response or our obedience. But if it's a promise that is not conditional in the sense of depending on our response, God will never fall through. He will follow through on his promises. Amen, somebody? Now, I've learned this lesson years ago. God is seldom early, but he's never late. He's seldom early. Sometimes, like, man, we're waiting till like, 11.59 and 59 seconds, and then he comes through. But God always follows through. He cannot break a promise. Number six, God can't worship himself. That's why we get to do it. That's why we are the people of God, and we get to give God something he can't give himself. We get to worship the king of kings, and we offer sacrifices of praise, even when our bodies are tired, even though our heads, you know, you might be having like a migraine headache. Whatever it would be, you give God the praise, and, and, and praise and worship is much more than just song. It's a lifestyle. Amen, somebody? Finally, number seven, God cannot violate his own standards. If he sets up standards based on his, his nature, he's a holy God, he's a perfect God, he's a loving God, he's a generous God, he's an excellent God. He can't violate who he is. He can't violate his standards. He holds himself to those standards. Are you with me so far? Therefore, he can't change. God doesn't become stingy overnight. He doesn't become not so excellent in the course of time. His standards are up there, and he can't violate that. So let me bring you into a thought that I had in E-Dog, stand to your feet. Rocking the, the kiddo jersey right there. Just stand to your feet. This is E-Dog, ladies and gentlemen, my youngest, Ethan Ledoux Wilkins. He prophesied years ago that his church was going to be way bigger than mine. I'm like, I believe that. So we're raising him up right. But it was years ago. Um, I was trying to save some money. And uh, those of you who know me, I'm, uh, I'm not mechanically inclined. So um, my wife, her car needed some, some brake pads replaced. You feel me? And uh, so you know what I did? I'm like, I'm going to save some money instead of spending hundreds of dollars and Roberta wasn't available. I'm like, I'm going to do my own brake pads. So I went to a store, did my research, found my brake pads, came back home, and then, and then doing what most people would do, I YouTubed it. Come on, somebody. I'm like, how do we change the brake pads on this specific car? So jacked the car up, watched the YouTube multiple times, realized I didn't even have the tools that I needed. I had to go back to the store, get some more tools, come back, and like, all right, let's do this. I was just feeling like, man, I'm, I'm just like MacGyver right now. I'm going to make it work. All of a sudden, as I start this project, and I've watched the YouTube, and, and I'm getting ready to do this, Ethan, who's younger at that time, he comes, Dad, can I help you? Um, yeah, bro, I'll learn from Dad. Let me show you how to do this. <laughs> and uh, I'll grab my tools, and so I get in there, take the tire out, and, and then I'm trying to reach this one spot, and like, bro, I can't see it. And that's when he came in to help. He got, grabbed the flashlight, and he's holding the flashlight. Like, bro, just don't get into the car, because if the thing drops, your mom's going to kill me, too. And um, that was a joke. And anyways, so we're down there working, and I was done with one tire. And then he's like, are we done? Like, no, I got, like, more tires. So I had to do all the wheels. A couple hours later, what normally would take the average mechanic, maybe, I don't know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, it took me hours. But I got it done. Just the disclaimer, don't be coming to me now asking for guidance. I don't. YouTube it. You'll find out. Put all the tools away, and uh, my hands are a little greasy. Now, look at that dude right there, and his whole body is covered in, like, brake dust. It's like, he's got, like, like bruh. <laughs> I'm like, how did that happen, right? So we go inside the kitchen, and mom is doing her thing or whatever, and we're like, and I'm walking like, I feel accomplished right now. I did my husband duties. I, I replaced the brake pads, and I feel... And then Ethan walks in, his chest out. Mom, we changed your brake pads. And I had this thought, 
Bro, you only held the flashlight, bro. When I dropped that one screw once, you picked it up. How are you so dirty like that? But it actually was a partnership because without him holding the flashlight, I couldn't see what I was going to do. So even though he did the easy part, without him, I wouldn't be able to accomplish the project that I was working on. Are you with me? E-Dog, thank you. Let's give E-Dog some praise. All right. Good job, my man. Why am I sharing that story with you? Because when it comes to this journey of life with God, it's a relationship. And this relationship with God is a partnership. He actually does all the heavy lifting. We're just holding a flashlight. Come on, somebody. But we're part of the project. We're part of this journey of life. <clears throat> That's God's standard. See, God is a loving father, and he wants to include sons and daughters in this journey of life. That's who he is. That's his nature. God could actually do everything all by himself and never screw it up, and yet he reduced the message of the gospel and reaching humanity. He reduced it to including all of us. And sometimes we're successful and many times we're not. But he reduced this project to include family because that's the heart of a father. So when it comes to this journey of prayer, God says, I want you to be a part of this. Now, now listen, Jesus could have won the entire world all by himself. He could have done many, many sermons on the mounts for centuries. His physical body, because he was not under the curse of sin, his physical body left to itself, unless someone would kill him, he would never have died. Think about that for a minute. He didn't have the curse of sin, so his body was not deteriorating. It was not dying like all of our bodies are. Come on, somebody. He was perfect up to himself. He could have reached way before there was Instagram or TikTok or social media. He could have reached the world many hundreds of years ago by himself. And yet he chose to recruit a company of believers. It started with the first few disciples and then those that would follow. And he says, I will build my church. He was inviting all of us to be a part of this grand plan of reaching humanity and drawing them back to God. It's a privilege. It's a responsibility. God could have done it by himself, but he invited you and I. Therefore, it's a partnership. That's why when I say God can't violate his standards. There are things that God can do. He can't violate the standard of including you and I to reach mankind. That's why we need to partner with him. And it's through prayer that you and I partner with him. It's not just busy activity, but it starts with prayer. It's maintained by prayer. It's overcome through prayer. Prayer is our greatest form of partnering with God. That's why when we say we're drawing circles, it's not because we're going in circles. It's because we're declaring and prophesying. And much like Jericho, that was a symbolic act. The people of God marching around this fortified city. It sounded silly. It sounded crazy. What are we doing? Think of the little kids walking with mom and dad. What are we doing going on this walk again? My feet hurt. Shh, it's, it's all right. It's all right. And then on the seventh day, dad, mom, I'm really tired. How many laps have we done? Some of us, we get tired after one lap of praying. And God has great things in store for us. And it's like, but my feet are uncomfortable. People don't understand me. But as we partner in prayer, we continue to march in circles around those things that God has declared. Suddenly, the moment comes, heaven opens up, God delivers. He fulfills that promise. And you see it just being fulfilled right in front of you. It happens through prayer. It's a partnership. Our relationship with God is a partnership. It's his standard. He doesn't force it upon us, but rather he, he invites us into it. As partners, God has the, the desire, the ability, the power to do his part while expecting us to do our part. If God were to do all the work, then it's not a partnership. It's just a show. Some of us, we want a show as far as Christianity. We want to we wanna like show up to see God do his thing, but we're not doing our thing. When we come to church on Sundays, when we come to church in small groups, the Holy Spirit, he can do whatever he wants to do. We make room. But we're not here to be spectators. God ain't looking for cheerleaders. He doesn't need you to just cheer him up. Woo, God, you're the man. He knows that he's a man. We sing praises and we worship, but we partner with God. We roll up our sleeves because he's already rolled up his sleeves. It's a partnership. John 15, verse 5, it says, I'm the vine. This is Jesus talking. I'm the vine. Think of Napa, vineyards. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Think about this partnership. Apart from God, you can't do anything. Anything of significance or substance. 
Apart from God, I can do things. They're just jacked up things. They're messed up things. But anything of true value, we can only do when we partner with God. Can I get a loud amen from the congregation? Online, Teresa, Nicole, different ones. Nicole saying, ouch, come on now. You know, girl, preaching the word. Although God, he does the heavy lifting, there are certain things that God will only do once we've done our part. Mark Batterson, this book that we've been reading together collectively as a church, we're doing 21 days of prayer and fasting. We've been reading The Circle Maker. Uh, Mark Batterson, there's so many great quotes. He says, if you take things into your own hands, you've taken things out of God's hands. Another quote that he says, he says, oftentimes we're waiting for God when God is actually waiting for us. If God's already brought revelation to you, if he's already brought the instructions to you, he's made it clear to you, what are you waiting on God for? You do your part. You pray and obey. And then as you do your part, then God can follow through and do his part. He'll do the heavy lifting. But in a partnership, you got to do your part. Turn the flashlight on. Am I preaching to somebody here today? What has God uh, spoken to you about already? I have a hunch that some of us in this room and those watching online, you're, you're asking for a word from the Lord, but there are certain things that he's already spoken to you about. Have you stewarded those well? Have you been faithful with those instructions already? What have you done with those? We are a prophetic church, and later this year we're going to have some awesome prophets come through. We're going to have a whole prophetic weekend later in August, and it's going to be phenomenal, incredible friends that are going to come through. Some of you guys are asking God for new prophetic words. Listen, have you obeyed the ones that he's already given you? Oh, that's, that's a freebie for somebody right there. <laughs> I'll use a different analogy. Um, I want my kids to succeed. Again, bragging on E-Dog, he's doing well and great student at school. And all, all four of my kids, they take after mama. They're, they're great, diligent students. And um, I want them to, to succeed and, and, and get good grades. Sometimes they'll have all kinds of homework. Juliana, during this COVID, COVID break, um, not going to school, I would, I would check in on her. And she's like massive amounts of books and different things. And when it comes to homework, I want my kids to succeed. And sometimes they need help with the homework. If I say, all right, I got this, it's like some of our prayer lives. I got this, and I do their homework for them. They might get the grade, but they won't get the knowledge. They won't learn what they needed to learn. Listen to me. Some of our prayers are wrong. Think of what you're praying about. Sometimes God is not wanting to remove the test from you. He wants to, he wants to cause you to learn through that test so that you might be more mature, that you might be more complete in him. If you're asking God to do your homework, that's the wrong prayer. Can I preach to somebody today? Ask God for discernment. Lord, what is it you're wanting to accomplish in and through my life? Your grace is sufficient for me. I may not understand it, and I definitely most likely don't like it. But God, in the midst of these difficult times, Lord, your grace is enough for me. Help me to do my part as I know you're going to do your part. That's some good preaching right there. When it comes to these homework assignments that God has, what has he already asked you to do and have you been diligently following through? So what does partnering with God in prayer mean? A couple more quotes from Mark Batterson again. God hears every prayer and he keeps every promise. Every prayer, even the prayers that you think in your brain, God hears those prayers. He knows the intents and the intentions of man. He understands what goes on on the inside of us. Every single one of them goes noticed. And he follows through on his promises, right? Drawing circles isn't about proving himself or yourself to God. It's about giving God an opportunity to prove himself to you. That's a phenomenal quote. Let me say it again. This is a great quote. Drawing circles, talking about this prayer thing, isn't about proving yourself to God. God, are you impressed with how much I've prayed this week? 21 days, God, I'm on this streak. More than Wordle, I'm on a 10-day prayer streak. Come on, Tommy. I'm on a 10-day streak of, God, am I proving myself to you as being faithful and spiritual? It's not about proving yourself to God. It's about giving God the opportunity to prove himself to you. The more you pray, the more opportunities God has to prove himself to you. And I, I like this other quote that it's not even in my notes today, but um, your prayers of today are the script of your future promises. How big are you dreaming? What is it that God wants for you? Your prayers are the actual scripts, the plans. As you pray, your dreams grow, they expand. Another quote, we shouldn't seek answers as much as we should seek God. Some of us are looking and settling for, I just need an answer. Is, is this the person I'm called to marry? Now, that's an important prayer. But even more than that, seek God as you seek him. All these other things will be added to you. Correct, somebody? So different ways that we would partner with God, five brief thoughts. Number one would be this. 
God reveals himself through prayer. You want to know God? You want to learn more about him? Through the word of God, as you're reading about, or you're reading the word of God, the word of God is alive. You'll learn different attributes and characteristics of God. But as you pray, he begins to reveal his heart to you. You begin to understand more about God through prayer. Prayer is where you get the revelation of who God is. When you're alone, you're going through a difficult season, you're, you're finding yourself, so to speak, though, my, though you might be surrounded with people, you still could feel alone on the inside. As you begin to press into God, all of a sudden you sense the closeness of God. As you pray, you sense a revelation that he is a, a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I remember years ago when I left Brazil, hopped on a plane to come to the U.S., and I had a one-way ticket, and I had $137 in my pocket. Sounds like a song from Taylor Swift right there. Um, a little duffel bag. I didn't have much going for me other than some dreams. I felt like God was calling me to go to Bible college, and I was going to come to Sacramento, California, and then drive down to Stockton for a few months and hang out with my, my sister and brother-in-law, and, and then I'd go to Bible college. I didn't have a whole lot of money. And all of a sudden, when I landed in Miami, all of a sudden, it's like I took an all-night flight. I'm landing in Miami. The sun is popping up. I'm looking out the window, and I realized, you are not alone. Oh, that's a different song. I realized, man, mom and dad, they're in another continent. They're in South America. I'm flying solo. I'm 18 years old. I'm on another, another piece of land, real estate, and I got $137. Don't have any credit cards. Um, ah, what am I doing? And without saying any words out loud, I remember just looking out the window, those little kind of soft little glass windows that airplanes have. Mm -mm. And I'm, I'm leaning up against the window, seeing the sun come up, and I could feel the presence of God as I prayed in my mind, I'm with you. I got you. I'm going to help you. You're doing the right thing. You're on the right path. You're on track to the, the plans that I have for you. You've been obedient to what I've instructed you. And even though I wasn't praying out loud, I was just praying in my head, I could feel this presence of God just filling my own heart and this confidence and this courage and this faith. Why? As you pray, you experience the revelation of who God is. He's there for you. It starts with prayer number two. God reveals his will through prayer. You're wanting to know, like, God, what is it that I should do? What are my next steps? What's my next move? It's through prayer that God will bring revelation. Some of y'all are hunting down. You're like prophet hunters. You're hunting down prophetic conferences, prophetic meetings, and you want another prophetic word. Listen, the will of God is revealed through prayer. Oftentimes, the prophetic word already only confirms what God has already spoken to you in your own heart. He'll reveal it to you, and then he'll confirm it through prophets. But it's through prayer that the will of God is revealed. Number three, God reveals his strategies through prayer. So his will and then how to get it done. His strategies are revealed through prayer. That's why we encourage, have a prayer journal. As you're praying, jot down. And for me, it's my phone. I'll be praying sometimes. I'll pop up my phone, my little app notes app, and I'll start jotting down what God's speaking to me about. And then I'll jot down, and then he'll start giving me strategies, and I'll just start writing it down. Have a prayer journal. Number four, God releases his power through prayer. There is power. As you're praying, as you're seeking God, and you're spending, and Paul even says like this, pray without ceasing. Pray in your heavenly language at all times. As you pray, your inner man is being built up. Yesterday, as the Niners were, were playing the Packers, I was praying in my spirit. Come on, somebody. Oh, Lord Jesus. <laughs> Praying for them, but praying for me too, Lord. I need to preach tomorrow. Lord, I need my heart to be right. I need my mind to be focused. I'm praying for myself. Lord, I believe. I believe. I got confidence, but Lord, I'm praying. As you pray, God downloads power into your life, the ability to accomplish what he's called you to do. It would be unfair of God to call you to do something and then not enable you to actually get it done. By his grace, of course. So it's through prayer. That's why, again, you can't outsource prayer. <laughs> Crystal, will you pray for me? I just need encouragement. Like, thank you for the prayers, but I got to pray for myself too. You can't delegate out your prayer. You can't outsource it to some other country somewhere. Will y'all be praying for me? No, you pray as well. Partner with God, do your part, and through prayer, downloads of power and strength come. Finally, number five, God releases his gifts through prayer. Paul talks about the gifts of the Spirit, the gift of prophecy, the gift of different things, the miraculous. Through prayer, all of a sudden, something is quickened, and he activates it and releases it in and through your life. Amen, somebody? So prayer is not just a great suggestion. It's a partnership requirement. If it's father and kids incorporated, this thing called relationship with God, and we're partnering with him, father and kids incorporated, then prayer is a mandatory part on our part. 
Without prayer, we can't accomplish what God's called us to accomplish. Amen, somebody? That's why prayer for us is more than 21 days at the beginning of the year. It's a lifestyle for us. So in closing, let me close out with this story. Maybe you've heard the story of my friend Cindy. Some of you have met Cindy already. Cindy was involved in witchcraft as a young girl in Southern California. Her parents, uh, you know, in an unfortunate set of circumstances, they... They allowed her to be engaged in some very diabolical, terrible things. From the age before she was even 10 years old, she had been raped dozens of times. Part of witchcraft rituals was that she would be offered up as a, quote, sacrifice. And politicians, uh, police officers, uh, lawyers, doctors, plumbers, electricians, all these different folks that practice this voodoo stuff, they looked the part during the day, but there's a dark side on the other side. They would come and they would practice this witchcraft stuff, Satanism, straight up. And, and, and her mom would, would, would take her to these places where she'd be violated through a weekend. C could you imagine a child? Think about that. A child going through all that, and she somehow was spared through all that. As a teenage a young girl, like all kinds of terrible things happened to her. I share this with you because her story is public. It's not a private story. She's shared it. She's taught it. So I have, I've got permission to share it. She went through these, these traumatic things that would take 99.9% .9 of people out. They actually tried killing her and like miracu miraculously Jesus intervened a couple different times. As she was in middle school, uh, a friend from school invited her to go to this, this camp. It happened to be a youth camp. At this youth camp, um, think about it. This girl is heavily demonized at this point. She goes to this youth camp, and uh, uh, the youth pastors there, the young couple, they notice her like, oh, she's such a sweet gal and whatnot. And, and uh, she, wasn't, she wasn't a believer yet. They knew something was special about her, but they knew there was great pain in her. And then um, the youth camp would end. They would never see her again. And her story would go on that for many more years through high school, she'd, she'd be violated in so many different ways, tortured. And she, she, she should write a book on, on the crazy things that she experienced and how God spared her. At one point, she found herself in her late teen, teens just destitute on the streets, uh, be, you know, figure out what she was doing for a living. And um, 30 years later, she would find herself up in Berkeley and in, in the Northern California region, heavily demonized. Her, her mind, talk about psychological problems, her mind was messed up, multiple personality disorder, bipolar, all schizophrenia, you name it. She, all these different psychological conditions. She goes to this, this therapist who says, I don't know that I can help you, but there's a church, and I don't know if you do this whole church thing, but there's a church that, that can probably help you because you got some, you got some spirits. The, the lady was correct. So she comes to the church that I used to serve at as a youth pastor. And she came, and I remember the very first time she came in through, it's like she couldn't help but demons start manifesting. Her body's going nuts. And we take authority over these demons, says, you will not manifest right now. And through the entire service, she's like, <laughs> and I remember just like, it would start this process of us walking with her through deliverance. Like peeling an onion, there were so many layers of demonic activity in her life. And my secretary at the time, she was a, a, an elderly gal, wonderful couple, retired already, pretty much volunteering at the church, says, you know what, we want her to move in with us. Come on, somebody, talk about radical Christianity right there. They adopted this gal who at this point now, she's in her late 40s. And um, she's going through a variety of different treatments and counseling sessions, but some things you counsel and other things you cast out, you feel me? And we're casting out evil spirits and God is renewing her mind. She would actually sit at my office Monday through Friday from 9 in the morning till 5 in the afternoon reading the Bible. And she read through the Bible multiple times. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So as she's going through the process, reading the word of God, and God is rebuilding her. At one counseling session, all of a sudden, whoop, her fragmented soul in one area came back. She looked at her hands and she screamed, ah! Because the last time she was aware of her body, she was like 18. And she wakes up 30 years later. Her hands now have wrinkles. She looks different. She doesn't recognize herself, but God is making her whole. Are you with me so far? Amazing story. It's going to be an amazing book, maybe a movie someday. God would then continue to, to rebuild her. And, uh, and then I, you know, she said, I want to sign up for the intern program. Our interns were like high school graduates. You graduate high school, you can be an intern with us. And we prayed about it. You know what? You'll be the oldest intern we've ever had, but I think you're going to crush it. She did. She ended up coming back for a second year, and later we would hire her for a third year and like part-time staff, and she would start a, a homeless ministry. Just a phenomenal woman of God, 
blossoming. God just delivered her. A radical leader traveled the world. I took her to India. Demons in India uh, feared the God that was upon her, the anointing of her life. She would pray for people, wow, deliverance, because she'd been through something. Her scars hadn't been wasted, and God can redeem and restore and make new. Come on, somebody, there's hope for everybody. God wasn't done with her yet. And then one day she signs up for a prayer conference down in San Jose. She's been with us for several years now. She's one of our leaders, a prayer warrior. She signs up for a prayer and intercession conference down in San Jose. She shows up with a friend to this conference, and as, as she goes to the table, this lady looks at her, and it's just like, kind of like deja vu kind of like thing, and they're like, and she's like, <laughs> do we know each other? And this lady starts sobbing. She starts crying. And, and she, she's overwhelmed. And she has to take a little break. And she goes, are you Cindy Esquerdo? And she goes, yeah, do I know you? She goes, my husband and I were youth pastors, 30. <laughs> 30 something years ago. And so-and-so brought you to our youth camp and we recognized there was something special on you but you were in so much pain we didn't know what the deal was but what God told us to do was to pray for you and for the last 30 years I don't know why I get so emotional <laughs> for the last 30 years she said my husband and I have been praying for you every night and when I saw your name I thought Lord could this be the Cindy from Southern California and here you are you are you're here in front of me and they just, they just wept and they embraced. This youth pastor was praying circles for 30 years. They had left youth ministry many years after, and, and they continued to pray for this gal that God had placed in their hearts. Cindy today, just recently she overcame cancer. She, they said that she wasn't going to make it. She continues to overcome. She is a testimony of God's power and mercy and grace. But it's partnership. Not only is Cindy resilient, but those youth pastors were resilient. I'm going to have Matthias come to the keyboard. Partnering with God through prayer, maybe it's not just for you. Maybe it's for family members. Maybe it's for that spouse that you're praying for. Maybe it's for that family member that you're, you're contending for. Maybe it's for that coworker. Maybe it's for that neighbor. I don't know what it is that God's placed uh, in your life, what your promise is, what God's miracle is for your life. God knows what it is, but he invites you and I to partner with him. We are called to partner with God. He will do the heavy lifting, but we got to do our part. Amen, somebody? Would you stand to your feet? Allow me to pray. I want to encourage you. Choose to partner with God. Choose to pray. I want you to symbolically open your hands symbolically like this, like you're about ready to receive a gift from God. Symbolism. God's granted you the privilege. It's not just a responsibility, but it's the privilege of partnering with him. He could have done this all by himself, but he invited you into this partnership with him. As you open your hands, I'm going to pray this prayer that God would release his grace upon you, that he would quicken a drive within you to pray, not just mechanical prayers, not just checking off boxes kind of prayers, but thriving, life-giving kind of prayers. Prayers that move his heart and prayers that will change the atmosphere around you. Allow me to pray. God, you see every heart, you see every mind, you see every person, every brother, every sister, both those in person and those online. Lord, your word says that your grace is sufficient for us. What an honor, God. We were not deserving of your grace, your forgiveness, salvation, yet you came after us. We were bankrupt in our sins, and yet you washed us, you redeemed us, and you called us by name. God, we don't want to just be spectators with the ticket to heaven. God, we want to be partners with you here on earth. And we want to be used by you, God, to see other lives reached. And we want to see your purposes fulfilled in our lifetime. So in the name of Jesus, let grace be released upon each person here today and those watched online. Let the grace to pray be released upon each one. That we would not just be praying over little meals here and there, but that we would be called the people of prayer. God, that there, there would be a prayer movement that would be birthed in our own hearts, in our own homes. God, that you would flip the script, that you would turn things around. 
And Father, I thank you for your promises for us. It says that all of your promises for us in Christ Jesus, they are yes and amen. So we thank you that you've got good plans for us, but give us the courage, the trust, and the obedience, God, to follow through and to do our part. I pray for great grace, and I thank you that in you there's no condemnation. The yesterdays are behind. Today is a reset day. Today is a day of new beginnings. It's a new start. Let faith arise. Let there be an anointing released upon each one here today. God, I thank you that you're the God of new beginnings. We're starting a new streak today. Let the anointing for prayer be released in and through our lives. Thank you for this partnership, I pray, in the name of Jesus. You can bring your hands down. Pastor Mida, the word of the Lord for your church is this. God's called you to reach the multitudes. And he's placed a heart within you to be a father and a mother. And yes, your house will be, will be a house of seed and bread for many nations. The nations will come to you. And they will be loved by you. I see people coming from different nationalities, different languages, different cultures. They will, they will come to you and a father and a mother. And you will, you will pour into their hands that they might take into other communities. But God says, and even as I talked to your husband this week, God says that he's got more for you. A season of change is coming, and it's a good change. I do see a geographical relocation where you presently meet right now will not be the place that that you will be much longer. God is going to open new venues, new opportunities. There will be new divine assignments, new divine partnerships. Other ministries will come to you. Others will come alongside, and you will be a breath of fresh air, and you will will bring life to them. You will bring color to them. You will bring vitality and strength to them. I see the Lord just just, just bringing clear vision and clear strategies. He's already giving you downloads right now. But God says that he's got divine assignments and divine partners coming to you. Even these next few weeks, the Lord says, get ready. There are new divine alignments coming, new divine connections. Do not despise the days of small beginnings because God says he's building this work. He's building this house. This is not an experiment. This is not just a trying out. But God says he's going to build a church that will last into the generations. A ministry that will go beyond, beyond Florida, beyond into other states, into other nations. And God's going to build a church and, and you're, going to, you're going to rejoice and it's, you're going to taste and see of the goodness of God. For even as you're in the trailblazing seasons, you're blazing a trail, you're, 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 you're pioneering a work. God says he's going to bring others of kindred heart and kindred spirit. They're going to come alongside of you. And finances and resources and the right people are going to come alongside because this is the work of the Lord. God says that he's pleased with you. You've been obedient and you've been faithful. God is going to honor his word in Jesus' name. Thank you for your sensitivity. And Roberto already told me that my preaching clock is done. But now this is uh, fifth quarter. This is ministry time. Young man with the red uh, bandana. I can't see you exactly. You might be bald like me. I kind of see you a little bit. Um, Here's the word of the Lord for you. You're at a crossroads right now in your journey. And God says that he's in the process. He is in the middle of all of these different things going on in your life. God is involved in every detail. Nothing goes unnoticed. God says that he cares about you. He's all about you. He is for you. He's going to make a way for you. For even in this exact moment, though I may not know you, I don't even recognize you right now because I can barely see you. God says that he is for you. He's going to make a way. Some of the doors that were, that were shut, they were not by accidents or coincidence. God allowed them to be shut because God had a better way, a greater purpose for you. And God says that he's not done with you. He is not done with you. He's going to continue. He's been building you. He's been working. He's been forging a message inside of you. There is an anointing upon your life. That's a God assignment with a God enablement. He's placed something special in your life because he wants to accomplish something that goes way beyond your life. And it goes into the generations. Family members and loved ones that you care about, they will turn as well. And they will come into the fold. And they will come into the purposes of God. For God's hand is upon your life. Today is a turning point for you. It's more than a pick-me-up kind of moment. It's a transformative moment right now. For faith is being released. I'm going to have Pastor Keys come and stand next to you. Um, faith is being released into your life. Again, I'm, I'm not sure that I even know you or recognize you. But the word of the Lord is for you. God's stamp of approval is on your life. You are his son. He does the heavy lifting. You won't have to strive. You just lean on his strength. And God is going to make a way. God is the God of the impossible. What seems impossible to you, God is going to flip the script. And the world and people around you that know you will be amazed. Surely God cares about this man in the name of Jesus. Amen. You receive that? Praise God. Finally, young justice, this word is for you.
not sure if you've been prophesied over. But God says that his hand is upon you. Generational blessings are upon your life. This is Justin. I'm prophesying with the Niners hat. Justice. His hand is upon you. You walk on the shoulders of those who've plowed ahead of you. For God says, though the enemy came like the big bad wolf to come and huff and puff to bring your house down, you chose to trust God. And God says that you will not be a self-made individual, though you're brilliant and though you're skilled and though you're talented and though you have all kinds of incredible qualities. God says, Justice, that you will not be a young man that, that just had to carve your own groove out of your own strength. But God says that he is building you up and he's raising you up with your own unique expression. And the anointing of God is upon your life, for the enemy could not take you out. The enemy could not take you out. Though, though the, the opportunities were there for you to just disconnect and just kind of go into some other place, God preserved you, and there is treasure in this vessel. And God says that he's going to use you, and you will be an inspiration, not only through music, but even in your conversation. There are friends that God will bring into your life that you'll be able to speak life, and there will be a day where you will prophesy the word of God. God will quicken his word into your mind and heart. You will speak the word of God into them. And this is not going to be in a distant future, bro. It's, it's, it's already beginning to happen. God's already beginning to drop a couple little thoughts and ideas and words. And as you give yourself to the things of God, you're going to find yourself moving into a fast track lane and it's going to build and there's going to be expedited growth and you're going to find the fulfillment. There will be those fun moments of going out and hunting. And as you're hunting, God is going to speak to you. As you're doing the things that you're passionate about, God is going to reveal through downloads from his heart, his thoughts and his intentions for you and through you. And you're going to see the goodness of God. And you're, you're a leader like a diamond in the rough that's being trained right now. And God has great things in store for you. And when we say the sky is the limit, God says there is no limit for what he has prepared for your life. <laughs> and as your pastor and as church family, we love you. We're proud of you. We bless you in the name of Jesus. Let me close this thing out. And then Pastor Elena, God, we love you. We love your presence. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for making all things new. God, we commit our hearts to you. For some of us who are distant from you today, we just surrender fully to you, God. We say, have, have your way. Take control of our lives. We surrender fully to you. We make you the Lord of our lives today. God, I pray, I pray your blessing. I pray your peace over each home, over each heart. God, I thank you that no weapon formed against your people will prosper in the name of Jesus. I speak your peace. I speak your health. I speak your wholeness. I speak your provision. I speak your goodness over each one in person and those online. Bless your people, I pray, in the mighty name of Jesus. Church family, we love you. God bless you. Have an awesome Sunday. You go, girl.